0: Hello everyone! Happy Thursday, August twenty fifth. I have the house to myself tonight with these two wonderful dogs who are asleep right now. Um, as long as Thrawn does not do anything stupid, but he has just been gassed ever since he came back from daycare just a couple days ago. Um, yeah, you know, that, I guess that's what happens. You know, when you're a seven month old puppy. But another action pack show today. I have an, another update on the Robo Penguin um situation because aesthetics uh, who have really good sources about jerseys obviously they're one of the best websites out there for jerseys Um, they had an interesting scoop about the robo penguin jersey today which I'll get to starting off for the show second segment we're going to get into Ryan Paling and if he's going to be the one that wins that final you know forward roster spot assuming the penguins don't make any other moves before training camp and then finally we're going to get into Jeff Carter and what the big key for him should be to have a bounce back season last year. It feels weird to say that because he did score 18 goals, but that second half of the year definitely not that good. So the big key for him you know, can he be more consistent I guess know, we'll, we'll get into that coming up for today's episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. Your Locked On Penguins. Your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Penguins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day Hello, welcome back to another episode of <clears throat> excuse me, the Locked On Penguins Podcast. I am your host, Hunter Hodie. You want to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. follow the shows, Twitter at L O underscore Penguins. So let's get, you know, right into some more Robo Penguin stuff because Obviously, this is one of the biggest topics on Penguin's Twitter right now. So Icedics, again, they have excellent sources when it comes to jerseys. In my opinion, they are the best out there. You know, they have scoops all over the league. You know, if they're reporting it, you know, usually um, it does come to fruition. And um, they reverse some update. They well reverse, they revealed some updates on some of those leaked uh colors and logo details for the reverse retro 2.0 jerseys. And in the video, um, the person that was running it said he has heard that the Penguins are going to be doing the Robo Penguin this year. So I will check that off as a one for one scoop. Hopefully it is officially announced at some point, either before training camp, during training camp, preseason, during the regular season, whatever. Um, but he did say it sounds like um, it's going to have a gold gradient or the jersey is going to be gold. Um if that is true, and I checked in with you know someone close to the team today, and he's heard it's going to be black, so you know I'm, I'm not really too sure yet. But if it is gold, and you know, the person I'm talking to is a bit wrong on that, I'm going to be a little disappointed. I don't think the Robo Penguin design looks good on a gold jersey, and I'm also just kind of tired of um, <clears throat> the all-out gold jerseys that this team has had over the years. Most of them have you know they, they've not been that good. You know the home jersey right now. Obviously, that's awesome. There's a little bit of gold in it, but you know, there's still you know plenty of black in it as well. The away jersey is just terrific. The white and the gold and the black—it's just I don't think there's a a better one in the league. But remember those third jerseys that the Penguins wore in the playoffs just a couple of years ago and against the Islanders? Those all yellow paint jerseys, basically. And yeah, I know a lot of people made a big deal out of it. In the playoffs, know it had nothing to do with them losing, but it was still a jersey that you know. In my head, I was just kind of like, eh, okay, you know, not good, not terrible, but also just, I mean, eh, I guess. And that's kind of how I would feel um, if the Robo Penguin logo is on, you know, this one. And, and I'll, I'll potentially put the tweet in the comments. I, I wish I could figure out a way where I could. Oh, I actually do think I can share my screen here. So let me see if i can actually do that um well let's see here uh well i guess maybe um yes okay we can do that here real quick okay so you all see you all see if those are on the youtube channel you all see this right you come here let me make sure that it's on the thing so yes look at this right here this is no all this gold right here you 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 put that Robo Penguin logo on the middle of that. It is going to look so bad. It's just it, it's not going to look well um, at all. I'll stop I'll uh, sharing my screen here so you all don't have to see what I have open um, and all that. And there's nothing bad, of course. Don't worry. <laughs> um, but it's just I, I don't like it. I think if they were to again go to the all black, which I am going to pull out, pull up right here my Twitter page I'll share my screen again for you all here uh that those launch that you on youtube if I can just do this okay so right here right this is the jersey that you want all black the robo penguin looks perfect right in the middle of it i know this is a design from bar down but whatever black gloves you know a nice little stripe you know right by the elbows you have the nice C at the top that is the kind of jersey that i want coming back Having it be a gold version, it's just it's just gonna look like piss. That, that, that's my opinion. Um, I think you know if you want to bring this legendary uh, logo back and it is really good, you gotta do it right. And I think you know with how people <clears throat> reacted to the first reverse retro jersey when they brought back the diagonal Pittsburgh, which was an all white version, I thought that was okay, um, but a lot of people didn't like it. I don't I don't think those same people will like this one. That's for sure, and also I, I should say, I should say this, if it is gold and IStex gets this right, and you know, chances are that you know they they probably will just because of how good their sources are. Um, again, you know, I, I don't ever claim to be an inside man. You know, when I hear stuff, though, um, I, I do try to put it out there. You know, just you know, you know, I've gotten some scoops right. You no, know, hopefully I don't get this one wrong. Hopefully it is all black. But you know, I just wanted to say that as well. But again, you know. It, when they had that white one, you know, they came back in the next year, and like, okay, we're going to bring back the OG version, right? So I'm really wondering if this one is an all gold version, do they say, okay, we're going to do this for a year, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> wear the jersey for five to 10 games? Because remember, they have to wear their home and away jerseys, select like number of games, and they have to wear the, you know, the the Pittsburgh diagonal one, um, five to 10 games, or something like that, you know could they scrap this one after this year and then say, okay, we're going to bring back the OG OG robo penguin Jersey or one of them and just say, okay, here you all go. We didn't do it. Um, this, this past year, cause it was a reverse retro. Now we're going to give you the original one and they could potentially wear you no know, four jerseys again, next season. Um, like they are going to this year. You know, I know last season they wore home and away and then the Pittsburgh diagonal jerseys, but you know, but we'll we'll have to see, but I, I definitely could see the team and the ownership group saying, yep, we're just going to do that, just because you know people are still going to buy it." But I think you know they're going to get a lot more support um, if they bring back an OG version after the verse retro. Um, one is up, but again, hopefully it is not a gold one. I'm actually rooting for aesthetics to be wrong based on what they're hearing, and hopefully that it is a black one. I'm um, sure again, plenty of people are going to buy it, but you know. What we'll have to see just, you know, what happens when it's announced um, is the big thing. You know, is it going to be camp, preseason, during the regular season? Um, If it is during the regular season, it's probably going to be sometime um, early in the season. I should say that. So that wraps up this first segment of today's episode. Coming up in the second segment, we're going to get into, you know, who has the inside track to win that final roster spot you know, for the Penguins as it stands right now. I basically teased it in the opening segment. um, But, you know, I'm going to get into that and and also look at some of the other options that the Penguins have available right now. But before I get to that, Ben Line is the fastest and easiest way to check out on all of your betting means. You can find all of your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. You can find reviews and news of every league, including MLB, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. Online continues to be the top online resource for all of your sports wagering information from live in-game betting, scores, and podcasts they have you covered. You can head to BetOnline today or to use your phone to learn more about the trends in action. That Bet is online, where the game starts. All right, I'm back here on this episode of the Locked on Penguins podcast. I am your host, Hunter Hodes. You don't to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. You can also follow this show's Twitter at LO underscore Penguins. So <clears throat> let's get into it here. So as the depth chart stands right now, this is my personal um top nine, well, top eleven. Um, Jake Gensel at the top left wing, Sidney Crosby at center, Brian Russ at your right wing. You know, they could all they could always flip-flop Raquel and Russ. I'm sure they probably will during the season. You know, Raquel obviously had a great stint with Crosby <clears throat> after he was acquired after the trade deadline last year. I definitely they they, they can they will revisit that at some point next season. Um Jason Zucker, Evgeny Malkin, Ricard Raquel on your second line. Danton Heinen, Jeff Carter, Kasperi Kapanen right now as your third line, I guess. You know, eh, Heinen, he can chip in goal scoring wise if Kapanen bounces back. That's massive, though I'm not fully counting on that. And then if Carter can produce again and then be more consistent, which I'll get into a little later on, um, I think that is the makings of, I guess, a, a passable third line until they could potentially upgrade their forward group. By the trade deadline. And then the fourth line fourth line, you have Teddy Wuger and Brock McGinn, and then a whole lot of options. You know, Ryan Paling, Josh Archball, Redeem Zahorna, Drew O'Connor, Nathan Legurry, Drake Kajula. You know, I think those are the main players that are going to be in, in the mix for that final spot. But right now, I do think Ryan Paling has the inside track for that job. I don't think the Penguins would have acquired him from the Canadians if they didn't think um that he had what it takes to make this team. Um, I read from Danny Shirey just a couple of weeks ago that he thinks that, um, you know, Palin could potentially get second power play minutes on the penguins um, just because of how good he is in front of that. He had some nice video in that piece. Um, That's definitely something I am not fully supporting at this point in time. I think Uh, I kind of want to see how he does um, in bottom six minutes, but Oh, this is still a player again, you know, former first round pick, just played 57 games for the Canadians this past season. Not the best underlying numbers, you know, 45% of the shot attempts per 60 minutes, 34% of the actual goals, 45% of the expected goals, 45% of the swing chances, 47% of the high danger chances when he high danger chances when he was on the ice for Montreal. I definitely think part of that has to do with playing on a really crappy team. But you know, it definitely looked like a, a bit of a reach of a pick at the time when he was drafted. And, you know, it's it's shown that so far um, for his NHL career. Remember, it's funny. He actually had a hat trick in his NHL debut um, in the uh, 2019, uh, 2018-19 season. Played one game, three goals, <laughs> and didn't play another game the rest of that season. 2019-20, I played 27 games. I had one goal at 5 v 5 this past year. Um, six goals, eight total assists at 5 5 in 57 games um I think the best case scenario for him is at this point and this is I'm kind of tempering my expectations a little bit I think the the best case scenario for him is maybe like a Brock McGinn type where he's scoring 10 to 12 goals um a season for Pittsburgh if you can get that up to 15 I think that will be solid I don't know if he'll ever you know touch what Carter did this past season with 18 goals but you know I think anywhere you know 10 to 12 maybe up to 15 I think that's the most you're going to get out of him. I've seen some people say that he should be in the top six. I definitely disagree with that. Um, the Penguins have plenty of other options at this point in the top six who, who are a lot better than Paling. I'm just, you know, I'm not as high on him as others are. You know, I will gladly openly admit that. I think that um, <clears throat> at, at the time he was kind of just a throw-in to the Petrie trade, even though the Penguins, they definitely do like him. They like the size that he brings, um, you know, the shot that he has. You know, he can play center, he can play wing. If the Penguins do have a center injury, say Teddy Bluger, you know, Jeff Carter, God forbid, if getting Malkin or Sidney Crosby get hurt during the year, um, they can probably just switch paling to center, and he can anchor the third or fourth lines, or something like that. So that's you know, the versatility in him. I think definitely intrigued the front office in that deal. Um, and I, again, I think that they're hoping to, you know, turn his development around just because, you know, he he is still, you know, quite a young player, you know, still in his, um, making sure I get this right here, you know, you know, he's still only 23 years old. Those are usually considered the peak years of your career. So he has time, you know, turning around here. It's all a matter of, you know, can the Penguins get more value out of him, um, than the Canadians did. Um, and, You know, as for someone that could potentially, you know, take his spot if uh, Paling does not win it in camp, um, in my opinion, I think Drew O'Connor is going to make this team, whether it's in Paling's spot, whether it's as a 13th forward. um, I do think when that final roster is finalized after training camp, after the preseason, when it's probably going to be 13 forwards, 8D, and two goalies, I think O'Connor is going to be on that team. It's make it or break of time for him played well in a short stand with the penguins last year. Um, it's really now or never for him at this stage in his development. He needs to show the team that he can, you know, put the puck in the back of the net that he can continue to skate, play well defensively. He'll be getting third, more likely fourth line minutes because, you know, they're all battling for that final spot, but, and I, I do think that O'Connor, you know, he, he really needs to show what he's made of because again, um, I'll say this, for the 500th time of the offseason and during the season last year, he showed a lot of flashes when he was on the team last year. It was unfortunate that he, you know, his season was derailed by an injury, but fl- it's a fresh slate now. think he's fully healthy going into camp, I think he has something to prove. But right now, I think Paling has the inside track to get that final roster spot, assuming the Penguins do not make a trade. And <clears throat> I think right behind him on his tail is O'Connor following that. I would say, you know, a group of Archibald, Zahorna, Drake Kajula. He's had decent underlings underlyings. screw, even though he only played in 18 games you know, for the Oilers um, last year, Nathan Legaree, I think he could potentially make a play for that. Philip Hollander, Alex Nylander, Sam Poulin. The, that, that's like, I guess, that, that third or that second or third or fourth group, you know, after you know the main ones of Paling and O'Connor um, and some of those guys. Um Again, I mainly think Paling is just going to get a lot of five five minutes next season. I, you know, I, I said it a few minutes ago. I don't think it's too wise to put them on that power the power play. I think they have plenty of other players they can put on the second power play unit. Like f- for example, you know, obviously you have Gensel, Crosby, Malkin, Rust, and let hang on your on your top power play. But you can put you know, Ricard, Raquel, Jason Zucker, Jeff Petrie, Kasperi Kapanen, um, and probably what you know, Jeff Carter. Um, on that second unit, I, I, you know, I, I, would probably trust Carter over Paling at the moment, um, on the second power play. you know, that that's me though, you know, that that's just my opinion. Um, but you know, I, I think the Penguins have, you know, enough capable guys to fill that second unit where they don't have to reach down and, you know, put, you know, Paling, I think on that unit and Teddy Blue and Brockman again, um, and those guys. So that wraps up the second segment of today's episode. Coming up in the final, a final episode, final segment, we're going to get into uh, Jeff Carter, where I see him playing next season. Should he be at center? Could he potentially move to wing? And you know what needs to happen so that he can just be more consistent overall next season. So that's all coming up right after this commercial break. All right, I'm back here in this episode of the Locks on Penguins podcast. I am your host, Hunter Hodes. you want to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. You can also follow the show's Twitter at for Penguins. And, of course, thank you all so much for making this your first listen of the day. So, you know, as of right now, he's probably the team's third-line center, Jeff Carter. That is, I mean, I don't think Teddy Bluger has done anything to, you know, move up the depth chart, at least, you know, in the playoffs last year. And um, during the regular season, I know this is a big year for Teddy just because it's a contract year. Um, I think the team is a bit more down on him than they would admit. At least that's, you know, whispers from what I've heard and stuff. But, you know, I, I think Carter needs to have a pretty big year this year too. You know, this is the first year of his two-year extension that Heckstall signed him to during the middle of last season, a deal that, you know, <clears throat> looked fine at the time because Carter was actually producing and playing well. But, you know, the second half of the season happened and he played like total dog water, as the kids like to say. Um, I think a big thing for Carter next season is making sure he doesn't, you know, he's not you know, in an elevated role, um, I should say, you know, just for a lot of that season. Because, you know, last season, Crosby and Malkin are out to start the year. I mean, Sid, I know, comes back after the first couple of weeks. But, you know, Carter was this team's first sign center for the first handful of games. That is going to, you know, take a toll on you as the season goes on. Even when Sid came back, You know, Carter was still the team's second-line center. That's even going to take a toll on someone who's getting close to 40 years old at this point in his career. But, you know, if he's playing on the third-line center like he did when he came over from the Kings in 2020-2021, you saw what happened. He was ridiculously good. He wrote a very high shooting percentage. His underlying numbers were fantastic. And he was able to stay consistent and make quite the impact with the Penguins. In the first half last year, he was more fresh. You know, he was, you know, scoring, producing um, offense outside of that, playing well in his own zone. But after that, when, you know, the mileage really started, you know, <clears throat> to just rack up throughout the season, th- the results, they waned, And he looked washed. He looked gassed every night. For some reason, Mike Sullivan decided, decided to put him on the ice in a pivotal moment in game five against the Rangers when Crosby went out to that Jacob Truba hit. Uh, I believe that it was the, it was the, the 3-2 goal um, from, I believe it was actually Truba that scored that goal. And Sullivan quickly adjusted that. Penguins go down and tie the game just a couple uh, seconds later with with Malkin and Gens on the same line. But, you know, again, I, I touched on that at the time. It was just a really stupid blunder um, from Sully. I think, I think he was just trusting Carter too much at that point, and, you know, he just didn't deserve – Um, those kind of minutes. But, you know, if you can limit his ice time to, you know, 12, 13 minutes a game, you know, maybe, maybe even anything, I think lower than 15, I think you're doing fine. But, you know, when he's playing 16, 17, you know, upwards of 20 minutes a night, you know, that's just, you know, that's not going to fly here. (laughs) I, I, I will say that it's just, it's, it's not, Good enough. And as you saw in you know throughout the season, the numbers they regressed. You know, when he was on the ice last season, the penguins had only 47% um of the shot attempts per 60, 43 of the actual goals for 48 of the scoring chances, 48% of the high danger chances, and 43% of the high danger goals for his underlyings tanked last season as it all went on. Not good enough, it's unacceptable, especially for someone that just got an extension. And you know, maybe you can chalk that up to line mates, but I think a good most of it is due to him just playing at the level that he played with when he was with the Kings during 2020, 2021, when he played 40 games for them that year. And when he was on the ice, the Kings had 49% of the shot attempts. They had a split 50-50 in actual goals for. They had 46% of the scoring chances and 48% of the high danger chances. Very similar numbers to what you saw last season with the Penguins. He just went on a nice hitter when he got traded over to the Penguins carried over to the first half of last year, and then it reverted back to what he was doing in the first half of last year. And again, if you can cut down on ice time, give him reliable players that can help him produce, like a Danton Heinen who scored 18 last year. Maybe if Kapanen bounces back, that could be a big help. Um, I think he can be a better player for them next season. Maybe you can take him off the penalty kill. I, it's tough because I do like him as a penalty killer, but I'm not sure he you know, is deserving of you know the big minutes on that unit at least for me i think you know if you look at the, the depth chart right now you know let's hang he's really good at killing penalties i think you know bluger when he's in his element he's great at killing penalties um brock usually he's pretty he's one of their best penalty killers i would put very confident on that top uh, penalty kill unit that might be a bit of a hot take but he was really good at it when he was in toronto i know he played on the second unit but his numbers were pretty legit I would try him out there and see how he does. But that's just me, though. But you can also rotate your defenseman. You can maybe put Petrie on there as well. I know Trevor Riedel's kill penalties. Um, you know, Brian Duman, obviously, is one of their best penalty-killing defensemen. You know, you have plenty of options there that don't involve Carr. I think if you mainly just stick to him playing at 5v5, playing on the second power play unit, um, and, and giving him 12, 15 minutes a night, I think you're going to see better results or the Penguins hope that they should see better results, and you're not going to see him just being a drag, whether it's in the offensive or the defensive zone. I would keep him at third-line center for now, but if those numbers start to dwindle even more, I would really much consider moving him to wing or honestly moving down to the fourth-line center and then elevating Timothy Bluger if he does uh, play well. So those are my thoughts on the entire Jeff Carter situation and what the Penguins should do. With him and you know how he can potentially bounce back um, next season after a disaster, a second half of the year. But that'll do it for this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I really appreciate all of you listening to this one. I'll be back with another episode tomorrow, which is Friday, and then you know next week we'll have three more, and we will welcome in September, which means it is training camp month, and I am so stoked to be you know just get closer to talking about you know real Penguins updates and just practices, and then eventually games, which is scheduled to happen in about a month and a half at this point. So keep it right here on Locked on Penguins for everything Pittsburgh Penguins related. Hope you all have a wonderful rest of your Thursday. I'll talk to you all on Friday.